Welcome to Kill the Lights, More Than an Athlete. I'm your host, Chad Hall. In this 12-episode podcast series, you'll hear from the source. You'll hear from 12 different Piedmont University athletes about their plans following college athletics. Follow along with this series and see how they're more than an athlete. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this episode of Kill the Lights, More Than Just an Athlete. I'm your host, Chad Hall, and this is the third episode of the 12-part series here for my Capstone presentation. Uh, We are happy to be joined by J.C. Ponce. J.C., thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Um, So, as you previously mentioned, J.C., you are a track and field and cross-country runner here at Piedmont. Yes. What's that like? Um, it's very busy, lots of just running around campus, lots of miles being put in, but it's all fun to be able to compete, so. So, how, how physically demanding is it? Um, it's usually, well, for me now, it's six days a week of running. Sometimes I'm running two times a day, um, and then you have core and lifting exercises as well, so, but... He does a good job of working us in to be able to handle that. So most of us only run six days a week. Okay, that's not bad. So during cross-country season, so what's the length of a typical race? Um, We usually, for conference and regionals, will compete a 6K. So it's like six, no, 3.75 miles. Um, And then we have some races on the schedule that are 5Ks. So your typical 3.1 miles. Okay, so um, how many miles do you run a week? That's a tricky question. Um, I run, I think, anywhere from about 50 to, like, 60 miles. It's my range right now. Oh, my goodness. So what? this, this is the most important question, right? What's your mile time? Mm, well, in indoor, I was able to get it down to 519 last, I think it was in February. Okay. I haven't raced anything since then, since I'm focusing on endurance right now. So we'll see if that drops this up- upcoming indoor season. Well, and I mean, for you as a as someone who runs and enjoys running, obviously, yes. um, <laughs> it's it's crazy to see that. I mean, it your range, and it's that's fascinating. I can't wrap my head around it. Yeah, it's uh, definitely something I didn't think was possible, honestly, because I started off as, like, a 400, 800 runner and just doing cross-country to, like, stay in shape. Okay. Um, and then as I progressed, we found out that I compete better when I have more miles, and so then that just made me jump up in event groups, and that's just where we also needed to fill a gap in last year for track conference. So I just decided, why not? I'll just do it and i didn't touch the 400 though this past year okay so which was perfectly fine by me yeah i I mean that's that leads me into my next question um why did you choose to come to piedmont initially um well i was recruited by the previous coach um and i knew i wanted to come to school to run i just wasn't sure where and piedmont is only about an hour away from my house and it's a super easy drive um, so I wanted to be somewhere where I could still go home and visit my younger siblings and, like, support them and what, whatever they're doing. And um, I also just like the close-knit feel of family and, you know, everybody. It's yeah, hard to it, walk it, yeah. around campus and not know who you're looking at. So that, Yeah, that's a good point. And um, so you are a Georgia native, correct? I am. Okay, cool. 
Um, have you begun thinking about what's next after athletics? I actually have. So right now I'm a part of the 3-2 program for speech language pathology here at Piedmont. So this fall I started taking grad classes. Um, so I'll be in the grad program this year and then next, not this upcoming May, but the following in May 2024, okay. I will hopefully be graduating with my master's in speech language pathology. Awesome. And that's all through Piedmont? I know you mentioned a 3-2 program. Yeah, so. it'll all be through Piedmont. So I did all my undergrad here and I've just, I'm in like a limbo right now. I'm an undergrad and I'm a grad student. So not a lot of people get to say that. That's pretty no. cool. And the reason why I ask about the three, two is because I know of the three, two program with like engineering. I didn't know that it existed in speech language pathology as well. Yeah. It's a brand new program. So I'm part of the first cohort. I'm okay. Be, I'm the first person to go through any of the classes it's been like me and maybe two other girls that I've taken all the classes first so we have no buddy to look to to be like hey how do you study for this or hey do you have a textbook but there's a bunch of people under us now that know that they can come to us for help so so you're essentially a founder of the program realistically I guess you could say that I, don't, okay. I just like to think I'm a part of the uh, part of something big okay that's awesome and I know that um the clinic right yes Okay, can you tell me a little bit about that? Um, yeah, so it actually just opened up the Tuesday after Labor Day, and we are helping the community of Habersham. Um, all you have to pay for is, like, tools that we use, like materials or stuff. It, we do not bill insurance, and so it's a really great way to be able to get people who might not be able to afford going to, like, a private practice for the help that they need or just supplemental help um, for kids that are at schools. So, and all the grad students are doing it. There's about 12 or 13 of us, I want to say, in the cohort. Okay. And so we're all in charge of getting clients and we're in charge of the sessions with our advisors and everything. And so we're working away at the hours that we need to be able to take our, like, license exam. Okay, that's, I mean, that's awesome. You yeah. get to do it all in one place. And, I mean, that's, that's pretty fascinating. And... Um, a good resume builder, too. Yeah, and we have some really cool equipment that not a lot of other university clinics, to my understanding, have access to either, so. Okay. That's, I mean, wow. Yeah, that's that's really pretty That's pretty special. Yeah. Um, so do you have any job offers on the table? I know you don't finish until 24, but have you begun um, looking for, like, a desired destination or anything? Um, not really, only because I've just started doing clinicals this semester so I don't even know like what population I want to work with or the environment I want to be in because there's so many different like environments and settings I could be working in Mm -hmm. um so I'm kind of just taking this year to figure that out and then next year I'll start doing externships so I'll be going off campus completely and working different places so and I assume Piedmont gives you that opportunity do they have anybody like lined up like different um like practices or anything like that? Um, I think we're going to start exploring that in the spring, but there are a couple girls in the cohort that are going to like a Cleveland private practice one or two days a week. Uh, We have some girls that are going to the schools already. So we're trying to get on the community so the community knows that we're there and they're willing to help and give us opportunities as well. So, Hey, I mean, that's all that you can ask for, right? It's all about the experience, especially for your field. Um, so you you have previously talked about your unique opportunities 
within Piedmont, has there been anything um, outside of Piedmont? Um, um, I was, I guess it's still through Piedmont, but in November I was able to go to the ASHA convention, which is like the American Speech Hearing Association for speech language pathologists and audiologists, and I presented research. And so that was a really cool opportunity that I was able to do. I did it in conjunction with my professor, Dr. Harn. Okay. And, um, but it was cool to be able to do that at the undergraduate level and go present because that's not very common. So being able to do that. I guess it's still through Piedmont, but we were in Louisiana, so oh, we yeah. weren't here. <laughs> yeah, it's not Demarest, I'll tell yeah. you that. Um, so what was your research about? Um, I looked at the clinical utility of YouTube videos for parents that have a child with a cleft lip or palate. Okay. So I just looked at what research was out there, what information was being put out, and seeing if it was reliable or even good information for parents to be able to use as a resource if they're in that situation. That's pretty interesting. I've never, I, I know of, obviously everybody knows of YouTube, right? Yeah. And everybody use it, uses it in their own way, but I didn't know that, well, I do know that it's sort of like an educational, like, I guess you could call it like a hub, and you can learn a lot of things from YouTube. My my dad's a firm believer in learning from YouTube, so. So it's my dad. <laughs> okay, well there we go. There's a there's a uh, similarity amongst us. Um, so we're we're gonna backtrack and get back into the sports side of Piedmont. Um, what is your favorite Piedmont sports memory in your sport and in another sport on campus? Um. It was honestly probably last fall when the girls cross country team won conference. This is the first championship for the new conference that was being hosted. We were the first race of the day to be able to do that. And so we were the first ones to win a conference championship in the whole entire conference. Um, But that was also just really special because last year's team was a very big mix of upperclassmen and underclassmen and it really took a whole entire new environment team atmosphere to be able to like complete that Mm -hmm. so me and my fellow captain Leanne worked really hard to be able to help the freshmen understand like we have a chance like we can do this but like everybody has to be able to do it and um, just watching all the girls cross the line and like you could see like the way they were doing it it was more than just like running for themselves like, they were truly out there running for each other, and that made the biggest difference, and it made me, like, the proudest teammate possible. So that's, that's probably my favorite. That's a big deal. I mean, um, how many conference championships do you have in whether uh, cross-country or track and field? Um, for cross-country, it was only last year, and then I think I think I have two for track. Okay. I honestly don't really remember. <laughs> so. Hey, you have them. That's all that matters, yeah. right? So that's what three rings in um, how many years? Three rings in I guess this is my well that was four years so because we haven't done this year so. That's a that's a pretty good success rate. I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> I would too. Um, so what is um, your favorite memory from another team on campus? Mm, I'm really close with a women's tennis team, and so a lot of my friends last year were competing on the tennis team and. Just watching all of them have like great success and uh, Amani breaking records, Abby Grace breaking records, and then winning conference again, and then going to their um, NCAA tournament. 
it was just really exciting for me to be able to watch all my friends also be like successful in their sport and having fun with it so i mean they're very good as yes. well <laughs> so um women's sports on campus are very very special i know um track cross country tennis women's soccer softball uh, we've had a plethora of different uh, sports bring in some championships within the last couple of years. Yeah. And you yourself are a record breaker. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah. I mean, I um, I guess these past two years, I really just have focused on getting faster, but then also trying to make the record book challenging for the people that come up that they have something to aim for also mm-hmm. and to be even faster than I am. Um and, you know, it feels good to be able to know that it's a PR. I mean, I'm doing my best, but then I'm also doing the best that has happened at the school. So but I try not to focus on it too terribly much. There's only certain right. times where I'm like, okay, I want this record. And then I try my best to go get it. Uh, it's interesting that you view the records as giving the upcoming runners at Piedmont a chance to for them to set their sights on it, potentially. You never know, but I mean, that's an interesting way to think about a record. I've never, never seen a record as like, oh, I want to challenge people. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't like to look at records as like, it's a ceiling. Like this is only the fastest that you can get. Mm-hmm. I, I think everybody can, you know, I want somebody to have to be aiming for beating me. I don't want to be the fastest that's ever stepped foot on Piedmont. Right. Like I want the underclassmen to like see, I can do this. I can be faster than her. I don't want to be like unobtainably fast well, so that's a good way to look at it that's very humble too jc <laughs> <laughs> i try to be i just also want to help the program to like continue to build and be faster than what we currently are because we have the, the capabilities to be mm-hmm. so hey that's that's a great way to look at it um how many records do you currently hold you have to know that i don't know the number um I could tell you, and then we could count, I guess. But I feel like that's a lot. Um, for cross-country, I have the 4K and the 5K. Okay, that's two. Um, for indoor track, I have the 800, the mile, the and the 3K. Okay. Yes. You're and at five. And then for outdoor, I have the 800, the 1500, I think that's it. I think for indoor, I might also be on the DMR team for that one. Okay. I think that's it. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's seven records, JC. That's a that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I think I think that's it. Oh, I mean, you mentioned earlier that your indoor mile time was what five nineteen. Yes. Okay. Well, I I'd assume at five minutes and nineteen seconds you do hold a record. So. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, well. I know that one. The track ones get a little bit blurry because it's just indoor, outdoor, and the seasons kind of overlap. So then it right. just becomes a big headache sometimes. And yeah, it's out, looking outside of the sport. It's kind of weird to see the overlap, especially with indoor, outdoor for track and how it's all built into really one season. Mm-hmm. So like in the early months, right? It's it's cold, obviously. Yeah. So you're indoors, and then it gets a little bit nicer, and they're like, "All right, let's get outdoors." Yeah. So. It's pretty interesting. Um, so what I'm focusing on in my capstone research is all centered around student-athlete stigma. And what I mean by that is, is there like a notion that presents outside students, so people who are not athletes, 
do they look at athletes differently? So my question for you is, do you believe that there are stigmas and stereotypes surrounding Division Three athletes? Um, I think really the only thing that I see is um, sometimes the other students on campus might just only believe that we're here to play a sport. Um, but I also think you see that across all divisions, all right. campuses. Um, the only difference is, is that we're here with no money. We're not getting any money for playing our sport. Um, and I think sometimes that the other students don't recognize that, that we're working as hard as we can on our sport, and they might see us maybe falling behind in academics or not maybe putting in as much effort as they are in academics. Um, that's really the only thing is that sometimes I think we get lost that we're here for school too, that academics are a big part of being a D3 athlete because we're a student athlete first. Right. Um, that's the only one I can think of as of right now. Right, and I would I would agree with you 100%. I believe that the at, the academic stigma is probably the biggest part because – the non-athletes believe that, like you mentioned, we're just here to play sports. And in reality, we're here for more than just that. Like there are athletes, and I've used this on my other episodes, if you go in there, you can see that the athletes are more than just athletes. If you walk into the Mize, you see COSIDA Academic All-Americans, you see the, you see the conference, like uh, Academic All-Americans or All-Conference, whatever you want to call it. And, I mean, it just it, – it proves that without these people ever stepping foot in there, they don't understand. And it's fascinating to see what athletes are able to do just outside of athletics. Like, athletes juggle so much throughout the entirety of the week. Like you said, you're running 56, 50, 60 miles a week, and you're going to class, you're going to practice. And, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. And it's – it's crazy to see like what athletes are capable of, student athletes, I should add, um, that they're able to do well in the classroom and they're able to do well in their sport. And why do you believe that stigmas and stereotypes towards athletes exist? Um, I think if you just look at you know TV, movies and stuff that has been put on um, that we grew up watching, a lot of them portray athletes as just like the jocks, they don't care about academics, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So I think a lot of people come in with this preconceived notion that we're just here to be athletes. Um, and then I think just some past experiences, um, not from any like particular groups or particular athletes, but some kind of do give the impression that maybe they're here just for athletics or they just do a better job of hiding it, that they're here for academics as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it all just has to do with how we were raised and the stuff that was put in our faces growing up and what athletes look like. That, that's interesting that you say that because um, conducting my research, that's exactly, that's exactly what it is. It's the preconceived stuff that we often see that people are like, oh, that's just a dumb jock, right? Mm -hmm. And that's all because of just the different movies, TV shows, whatever it may be. And that's just something that lives with somebody for the rest of their life. Yeah. And then as 
<clears throat> Ryan Jolly mentioned a couple weeks ago, he mentioned that they, you can't judge a book by its cover. As cliche as that is, it's true. That's true. And um, it's interesting to see that people are just going to continue to judge athletes because that's all they know about them is that they play a sport here. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it happens everywhere, and it's it's sad, but yeah. well, what can we do? It happens with, like, other groups on campus where – Maybe other students who aren't heavily involved in a group or a club or a department right. <clears throat> start to believe that these stereotypes or these stigmas that are around these different groups of people and start to judge them before they even get to know the actual person mm. or what the person is actually working towards. So, Yeah, and I mean, you're absolutely right. And it's all about the preconceived notion. And I mean, one day everybody will get along. Hopefully one day. One day, right. Um, JC, that's about all the time we have, and I appreciate you being on the show. Um, It's interesting to see what what you had to say and everything you're doing currently and what records you hold and all that, and I appreciate it very much. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. Tune in. Next week, you'll be hearing from women's soccer player Gabby Hayes and what she is planning on doing in the upcoming future. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week at 6 p.m. Thank you for listening to this episode of Kill the Lights, More Than an Athlete. This 12-episode podcast series features comments from 12 different Piedmont University athletes about their plans after college. New episodes are posted every Friday evening at 6 p.m. wherever you get your podcast.